I'm Chris Chang and Phillips, and this is Let's Find Out, a podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiskwichi with Skygon, on Treaty 6 territory. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. We take questions from curious Edmontonians about local history, and we find out the answers together. This is the first of three episodes we're doing this month, checking back in on some past stories. Back in 2017, Sheila Thomas approached me and asked why there was no headstone to mark the grave of Frank Beavers, the first Edmonton police officer killed on the line of duty. Fast forward to October 2018, and, well, where where would you describe we are right now? Um, between the Citadel and the Canada Place. This is where the Northern Hotel was situated back in the day, 19... 19- 18, where Frank was shot. And you brought a beautiful bouquet of flowers. Got some lilies here. Roses, carnations. Why today? This is the day of his um, monument unveiling at the Edmonton Cemetery. And uh, this is a completion of our journey together. I said a year and a half ago or two years ago, I'd get him a headstone. And with Chris's help, this is the day. This is this is a pretty exciting day. Very exciting day. I can't stop smiling. I know it's, it should be a somber occasion, but hey, I met with this uh, family uh, last night, and we're all very psyched up about it. Uh, it's it's a happy occasion. It's uh, they're very moved by it. They're so happy with uh, everything everyone's done for them, for Frank, to get it done, and uh, I'm about to meet them now in about half an hour at the at the service. Today we find out what it's like to actually see your idea turn into cold, hard, granite reality. This episode is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bunking, it explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong and vibrant city to live in. And the Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. So the podcast tells the story of how those endowment funds intersect with the community. In their latest episode, they talk to Daryl Davis. He's an accomplished musician and the author of Clandestine Relationships. This is the Daryl Davis who built relationships with Ku Klux Klan members to see how they could hate him without knowing him. You can read the show notes and subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. We also want to let you know about a new podcast affiliate of the Alberta Podcast Network with some very cool Edmontonians working on it. It's called Otherwise, a variety podcast about experiences of Edmontonians of all different backgrounds. Otherwise wants to highlight our diversity and heritage here, reflect who we are as a city, and bring about some positive social change. Edmonton's Poet Laureate, Ahmed Nomadic Ali, is one of the brains behind Otherwise, as is the wonderful Karen Tang. Their first episode is out, where all the hosts introduce themselves and why they think it's so important for folks to be able to tell their own stories. Learn more and subscribe at otherwiseshow.com. So Sheila and I drove over to the Edmonton Cemetery, which is pretty much downtown, right by Oliver Square. And whereas the first time we came here, we were pretty much alone in the slushy puddles, today a whole crowd of guests were starting to arrive. Some in police uniforms, some with big TV cameras, and one with a very smart blue and white scarf who just arrived with her dad from England. My name is Candy Johnson, and um, Frank Beavers was my great-great-great-uncle. He was the brother of my great-great-grandfather. And my father is here as well, Graham Beavers. So Frank was his great-great-uncle and the brother of his great-grandfather, so one generation closer. 
You're here in Edmonton. Tell me, like, wh what on your end, what was the story of, of how you ended up here at this graveyard? Yeah. So, um, well, in the family, we knew that Frank and his wife Maria had emigrated to Canada and that they'd set out to farm in Lacombe. Um, and we knew that he was buried in this cemetery. But we, we had actually no idea that he had left farming and joined the police service in Edmonton and we had no idea that he was killed in the line of duty. Um, and so we, we were contacted out of the blue by um, a genealogist who had, Lynn Meehan, who had been um, retained by the EPS to try and track down some um, close, the closest members of the Beavers family to talk to them about the fact that there wasn't a headstone on, on his grave. Um, because they, they had, with Sheila's help, come to the idea that it, you know, it, 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 there needed to be a headstone on the grave, but they didn't want to just go ahead with that without talking to a member of the family. So out of the blue, we were contacted by Lynn and um, learnt that he had died in such tragic circumstances and that his, his grave was unmarked, which was, you know, quite a shock, actually. Um, and we, in, in few, you know, further dialogue then with the EPS, we found that they were um, aiming to put on the headstone on the 100th centenary of his death. And, um, and, and we arranged with them that we would come over to join the ceremony because, you know, it just felt important for a member of his, his kinfolk to be there um, and to, and, and it feels really close now that we're here. Um, and it's kind of bittersweet that he died in such tragic circumstances and, you know, in, in such a horrible way. Um, but he was doing his, you know, his duty and we're incredibly proud of him. And to find that as a result of all of that, he is still remembered, you know, so strongly by the Edmonton community and especially amongst his, you know, the, the colleagues of the Edmonton Police Service is just really heartwarming. To recap about those tragic circumstances that Candy mentioned, Frank Beavers was born in 1866 in England, in a part of West Yorkshire near Leeds. Frank and his wife Maria emigrated to Canada in 1911. Eventually, Frank got a job as a janitor with the Edmonton Police Service. The story goes that on October 17, 1918, right at the end of World War I, there was a murderer on the loose, a man named Joseph Arthur Campbell, although initially the Edmonton Bulletin reported his name as Joe Cameron. Anyway, Campbell had been up all night drinking and playing poker with a bunch of guys, including one named Sam Zappler. It seems he lost a pile of money to Zappler and ended up shooting him the next morning. He then hid out at the Northern Hotel. The police got a tip that Campbell was hiding out at the hotel, and what we'd initially read was that their officers were stretched pretty thin that day. So Frank was temporarily deputized and asked to help stand guard at the back door while the other officers searched the hotel for the suspect. We'll come back to that temporarily deputized thing in a bit, Anyway, Campbell apparently slipped out the back, and Frank tried to stop him, and Campbell shot him twice in the abdomen before fleeing the scene. Fatally. Campbell tried to hide out as a farm worker in Leduc, south of the city, but someone saw him looking into a hardware store and noticed he fit the description of this guy on the loose that had been in the newspaper. The police caught him, and Campbell was later found guilty of both murders and hung. So, fast forward to 2015. Sheila Thomas, who laid down those flowers in the beginning of the episode, is this self-taught historian and genealogist who is moved by the shooting of a contemporary Edmonton police officer, 
and she wants to go to the graves of these fallen officers to pay her respects. She notices there's no headstone for Frank Beavers, and she asks me if I can help her figure out what the heck happened. In 2017, we visit the Edmonton Police Service headquarters, talk to folks who work with their historical unit. We can't figure out what happened to his grave marker, but Sheila leaves them with a giant pile of research she's done on Frank, and the name of a genealogist who taught her some of those research skills. That's Lynn Meehan. And that brings us to October 11th, 2018, meeting Candy. It's really amazing that the two of you were able to be here. Sheila's a pretty amazing person too, huh? Yeah, she is She is amazing. I mean, I'm, I met her for the first time last night. She is so big-hearted. And in fact, we, we got into the taxi um, that she had come to collect us in. And the, the taxi driver said, this lady is one of the most big-hearted people that I've ever met. And she said, how do you know that? You only just met me. <laughs> but you do know it from the start. Um, I, w- did anyone ever find any more information about why there was no headstone here? Um, no, but I've learned this morning that they think that there was a wooden cross on the, on the grave, um, but it wore away, so then... Either it was illegible or it just completely um, rotted into, you know, disintegrated. But it, it is a situation that should never have, you know, happened, that there was no permanent marker on the grave. And you can only imagine that, you know, it, it was... Um, well, we know that he, Frank died in the first period of the First World War and the um, Beavers family was under a lot of stress and had lost family members in the war. Um, so Frank's nephew died in May 1917 and the other brothers of that nephew, they all served in the First World War as well, um, apart from Leslie Beavers, who was my great-great-grandfather, who was an engineer and was held back. Um, but the other two brothers survived, but they obviously were very shell-shocked and there were other family members, cousins as well, who lost their lives. So the whole family was under incredible um, grief and this would have been, you know, another massive blow. So, um, I, I, yeah, I guess they just, you know, thought that the grave had been marked in the ordinary way and, um, and it was just a mistake that <laughs> there wasn't a, a stone marker put on it. Um, or it could have been confusion because in the First World War, the um, you know the army had um, made monuments for those that had fallen uh, in France, and so I don't know. I we don't know why it happened, but we're very glad that it's being rectified now. Yeah. I'm not sure what the source is for that theory about there being a wooden cross on Frank's grave initially, beyond the general fact that it would have been typical for the period. There were so many deaths that year with the Spanish flu and the war on, but while folks were still milling around waiting for the ceremony to start. I connected with Sergeant Barb Clover, head of the Edmonton Police Service's historical unit, and she filled me in on what had been going on on their end over the past year. Um, Basically, we just got a little bit rolling, but it was actually the community who came forward and really, really helped us put this together. The folks we spoke to initially, Sergeant Dave Hawthorne and Jeff Awood, they'd been part of a committee trying to get a new headstone together in time for the 100th centenary of Frank's death. And Sergeant Clover said a local granite company actually offered to donate the headstone. Yeah, you know, when, when all of a sudden we talked to Edmonton Granite and they were on board, we realized this is actually going to work and it was very exciting and it's long overdue. 
unfortunately. I must say that uh, even being in the historical unit, I had no idea that this had been unmarked. So I'm glad that Sheila was able to dig it up and bring it to our attention so we can honor him the way he was honored in his day. Of course, they had a really regimental funeral at that time, but unfortunately it's been forgotten. So I'm glad we can bring it back to the forefront. And it's actually been important because it's not only been just us as a historical community, it's been the whole community as a whole, the city of Edmonton, but also our younger junior members not realizing, you know, we have a past history and, you know, we haven't had a death in a few years just to show that the policing job is very, very, although we've evolved modernization, some of those things are still there. We, police still face danger no matter what year it is. Yeah. The circumstances of his death were so strange. Like, they, when I had chatted with um, Sergeant Hawthorne and Jeff last year, they said, like, that would not happen today, that people wouldn't be temporarily deputized, like, thrown on a badge. Is that, is that accurate? Well, you know, we've been doing a little bit more research, and we've kind of found out that that may not be the case, that he actually was a sworn member. Really? Yes. And that he actually was a full member. So some more have come to light, and I know Jeff can talk a little bit more about that and Chad, because they actually found that out. I asked Jeff Oud about this. Jeff works in digital communications with the police. It was, to be honest, it was right under our noses the whole time. Um, down in police headquarters, there's some memorial plaques that had been done up for all of the fallen members a number of years ago. And the person who researched that is retired now. Um, so that's why it, the information wasn't readily apparent to us, but as Chad, uh, who worked on this project too, did some digging, he uncovered the fact that, oh yes, he was promoted to the rank of constable, and he even received, uh, Frank even received a um, uh, wartime bonus, sort of a pay increase uh, as well, because again, um, according to one historian I talked to, you know, the city had lost, like 20,000 young men had, had gone either to join the army or to, to work elsewhere in the country, so they needed all the help they could get. I wasn't actually able to see this plaque that had this information. It's quite a different story, though, if Frank was a regular police officer, if they didn't just throw a badge at him and say, guard the back door on that day that all this went down in 1918. Sheila raised an eyebrow at this. You know, Frank was over 50 at the time, and he had bad eyesight. She also pointed out that he had a shock of white hair that was removed from the big fancy retouch photo of Frank that they had framed sitting on an easel by his grave during the ceremony. At any rate, the ceremony began. Speakers came up one by one to a podium with Frank's name on it and kind of an official logo for the day. I was a bit stunned um, at how all out the police went. Candy's dad, Graham Beavers, went up to the podium to say a few words. My daughter Candy and I have come across the Atlantic to be with you today to show respect to our ancestor, Frank Beavers, and recognize his personal sacrifice. He talked about how hard life would have been for Frank and Maria before they left for Canada, having lost their only child when she was just a baby, about how hard 1918 was, not just for their family, but for all humanity. My dad had a semi-humorous saying when he would demand only the best for the beavers. I think that Frank, in his willingness to be helpful and do his duty, provided his share of the best in return. And after everyone was done speaking, officers pulled back a blue cloth from the headstone and unveiled it. It was a simple, low granite marker, polished black on top, with the police service logo 
And as a bagpiper played Amazing Grace, I found Sheila at the back of the crowd, pretty overwhelmed by everything. We stood together while she cried, taking in everything that had happened. It's been kind of strange being part of all this. You know, as a journalist, you're supposed to maintain some distance from the story. But sometimes you can't help becoming tied into things. You know, I drove Sheila around, and she got me lunch after everything was over. And it was also partly strange because, you know, I, I am queer, and I'm a person of color, and I, I'd like to say that that doesn't matter, but, you know, police here have persecuted both of these groups, and there are lots of people working to change that relationship, and. So it's hard to be 100% rah-rah, is what I'm trying to say. But also, Frank was protecting people from a murder suspect when he died, you know? That feels worth honoring. And then there's Sheila. She's not a professional historian or genealogist, but still she drove this whole process through all the research she did and talking to the police. She told me that in the midst of that research, she started to feel like Frank was her own brother. She was almost the same age as Frank was when he was killed. They had both worked as janitors. They both had bad eyesight. And through all this, I kind of came to see Sheila as representing the best of Edmonton to me. Dedicated, resourceful, focused on the facts, and deeply emotionally invested in righting wrongs. The first time we came to the cemetery, she traced Frank's name in the slush with her finger. Beavers. Two E's. This time, she got to read out a proper headstone. And it reads, Edmonton Police Service recognizes the sacrifice of Frank Beavers, 1866 to 1918. First constable killed in the line of duty. Perfection. Thanks for listening to Let's Find Out. Let me know what you think of the show. You can drop me a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher, and also at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Let's Find Out Podcast. Thank you to Sheila Thomas. Thank you to Candy Johnson, Graham Beavers, Jeff Awad, Barb Clover, and Chad Ridzuk. Thanks to everyone who's been supporting this podcast, especially Finn. Original music for this podcast is by the monumentally lovely human being, Doug Hoyer. Artwork for our logo by Andrea Hergy at Mount Pioneer Design. If you want to support the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All right, that's it for this month. Until next time, keep your questions coming. Oh, wait, one last thing. Did I mention that on October 24th, there's going to be a ceremony for another police officer who Sheila found out was missing a gravestone buried in the same cemetery. Oh, yeah. Sheila, we're, we just walked like oh. 
I was like maybe 20 meters away from um, Frank's new headstone, and uh, here's another gravestone that you're responsible for. <laughs> they don't know about it. I didn't want to take away from the ceremony, overshadow it, but number two. <laughs> this is um, an RCMP officer. A royal Northwest Mounted Police Officer at the time. Oh, right. That yeah. was at the, the time, it was. Title at the time in 1913. It's uh, like the ones over there with all the other RCMP officers. There's a whole couple of three rows of uh, RCMP officers, and they all have a standing stone like this, and so it was better than I ever imagined again. People are coming through. So, this is Corporal Maxwell George Bailey. Uh, August 1st, 1885 to April 23rd, 1913.